0: You're listening to the Two True Freaks Podcast. This is Peter David, and when I think of you, I touch myself.
1: I find their logic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer
0: out, freak! Two... true.
2: the Dog-Faced Boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum.
0: Sheep, flying, no good, rotten, forth, flushing low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blunt, sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, dip-legged, sparty legged worm-headed stack of monkeys!
2: And now, together by live simulation <laughs> via the internets, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah! 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 No,
0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Two True Freaks. We thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy the show. I am Scott Gardner, and joining me is my best friend, Chris Honeywell.
2: Yeah! I'm (laughs) drinking my Dr. Pepper.
0: Tonight I have Big K Coolers Diet Lemon Tea. Ah!
2: Refreshing.
0: Yeah, big old case for a $1.99. Probably Damn. giving me the cancer right now just touching the can. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's probably made <laughs> out of radioactive lead.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you just they, they pop s- a hole
2: in the side and suck out the lemonade. Well, they, they scrape the paint
0: off Japanese toys, then add a little water and shake it <laughs> all. Well. There you go. That's, that's some of
2: the best stuff, man. Whatever doesn't kill you <laughs> makes you stronger.
0: That <laughs> leaves you more vulnerable to the next attack. <laughs>
2: right. I actually stole that. I read that off the forum, and nobody
0: messaged me and told me, Hey, you stole that off the forum. I know I stole it off the form, but it was funny, so I'm going to use it. Anyway, tonight we resume our regularly scheduled third Monday of the month format. This is Comics Monthly Monday number 12. Welcome to the show. So uh, let me see. What do we got going on tonight? This 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 may actually be kind of a a, a, a quick and dirty episode because. I've been busy as shit, man. I just really haven't had a chance to read a whole lot of comics.
2: All the comics about... I've read have been Star trek and Star Wars-y, so they've ended yeah. up in those episodes.
0: <laughs> well, right off the bat, I want to throw a thank you to Mike Petit, Biblio Mike on the forum, for the comics that he sent me, totally unexpected, out of the blue. They were uh, some much-needed issues. I'm trying to complete a run of all the comics based on the DC animated universe titles you know the the you know like you know there was like Batman the animated series and Superman the animated series and Justice League Unlimited and all those so all those shows had comic book titles devoted to them too and i've got just about everything for Batman and Justice League and that but i'm missing a couple issues here and there and probably the one i had the biggest number of missing issues was Superman, the uh, It was called Superman Adventures. It was based on Superman, the animated series. He sent me a stack of them. So I'm that much closer to having a complete collection. I really appreciate it. Because the oh. higher numbers of that series, it must have been a small print run or something, because, man, they are hard to come across. So I really appreciated him sending me those. Thank you, Mike. And uh, right quick before we get into this, I want to play just a, a portion of a little chit chat just a, it wasn't really i was gonna say an interview but it wasn't even really an interview it was just kind of a hey how's it going and have a little chat that we struck up with jimmy Palmiotti at dragon con um and this was me talking to him about jonah hex my favorite well my next to
2: favorite book coming out right now you've been pimping it a lot on the show so
0: yeah you gotta be reading jonah hex people it's damn good comics
2: can oh, I, I ask
0: you, how, how did you get interested in high Hex? In I mean, how did I, I loved it when trompet. I was a kid,
1: and uh, nobody had touched it up in D.C., and I, I begged Andy D.O. I begged and pleaded, and he says, you can't have it because Brian Azzarello wants to do Hex one day. And I'm like, okay, well, fuck one day. I said, I want to do it today. And I'm like, well, Brian has Brian has dibs on it for Vertigo, and I'm like, Okay, Is and then Brian... out for a few days? No, and then, yeah, I got to look it up a little bit. No, and uh, so what happened was Brian said, fuck it, I want to do my own, and I'm going to do uh, Lawless, right? Yeah. And, and I was like, so Dan called me up. He says, okay, Brian officially let go of his lock on Hex. He goes, do you have a pitch for me that I can run by Paul Levitz? And I'm like, check your mail. I, I literally sent it to him while he was talking That's to me on the awesome. phone. I said, check your mail. And he, he goes, all right, I'm going to buy Paul. And Paul said, okay, uh, you got an artist? And I said, I have, this is the funny part, I had Mark Texera to draw the Book. Great. Oh. So... I get okayed on the book. get okay Mark, Mark calls me because all right, but I I can't draw horses. So you, you can't have horses in the book. <laughs> well, and I'm like and I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? He goes, "No, I'm No, I'm not
0: kidding." Now, is this why he did the hex in the future? Book? Maybe. I think,
1: so 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 here I am and I told Hex, I'm like, I text, I'm like, dude, I can't I can't use you. I said I, I, I said I can't not tour, have horses in this story. It's sort of like I'm drawing a race comic <laughs> and, and, and yeah. you know, it's, come on, it's like so he's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I know what to do. we do another book. Motorcycles. And and then uh, we wound up coming up with the idea, like, well, if we do done & Ones, we can get 300 and other guys. And uh, we didn't want to do, like, the new six-parter, although it's fun. We didn't want to do it. Dan made us do that because he thought it would sell more. But it didn't. It sold exactly the yeah. same. Uh, so I said, okay, 50, we can go back to Done & Ones. He's like, you go back. I'm like, Thank you. And Darwin's doing fifty; it's like a yeah, double issue.
2: Yeah. So I got
1: Dick Giordano doing fifty-one. Ooh, Brian Stelfreeze, yeah. uh, uh, Jordy Bernet, uh Billy Tucci's doing one issue. I got a shitload of guys. So they are working on them see, at the same
0: time. Um, 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 oh, God damn it! I can't believe I'm blanking on the inker from back in the day. <sighs> see, this is what I get once. for being starstruck. Now I cannot yeah. remember who I'm, so, who I'm, here I'm here thinking of.
1: Hmm?
0: No, he was. De Zuniga. De Zuniga.
1: So Tony, okay, Tony is drawing the 128-page hardcover we wrote for the, when the movie comes out. So Tony's drawing 128 pages of Jonah Hex right now. I am totally, he's been working, totally he, on that. He's totally been working on it for the past four months. He'll be working on it for the next four months. But it comes out like two months before the movie. And it's 128 pages fucking gorgeous. Uh, that was our... I went to Paul Levitz and I said look he created Hex with Albano can and I pitched the hardcover I said can we do a hardcover using the original Tony design because Albano's gone and uh using Tony and Paul literally said yes that's a great fucking idea he goes he goes Will Tony do it? I'm That's like, I called great. up Tony. Tony's like, oh my gosh, and coming out of retirement, he's like 70. I you love know? his stuff. Yeah, he's, he's great. Gorgeous,
0: gorgeous. So it's 128
1: stuff. pages. He said he's going to pay the rent for the next three years with because uh, it's a lot of work. But he's, dude. Every week we get pages from him. They look fucking great. Yeah, you know, he's a man. I love him. You he know, and we're really did. happy we get to use, you know, Tony. So
0: now here's a totally. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Totally stupid asinine fanboy question that yeah. I gotta ask yeah, sure. as a fan of all of Jonah Hex from right, right from all star western right through to everything I even embraced and really enjoyed the Hex and the future stuff it was fun were we yeah. ever see any ref? Not, not necessarily a tale of that but just a reference that this? happened if, if you know they I mean?
1: went to me would you do a separate Hex book I would do it in a heartbeat because I would have fun I would have fun with it um, I won't reference it because it supposedly takes place. In the yeah, right. Right. In the fugue, right, right. So right. I have no, um, I do reference if you read the book, you know, because you read the last chapter. Oh yeah. Story. Oh, I'm. I'm so I apatine, reference man. once in the bad guys. It, you know, once in a while the bad guys go. You know, one day yeah. you're gonna you're an antique to this generation. One day you're going to wind up stuck at the museum. Is that this
0: current issue that's out? Uh,
1: I don't know if he references it in there but we do it a couple of times. Because I've got it
0: in the bag but I haven't read yeah. it yet. I just got no, it we, in the mail. We, so. it,
1: we reference in the series there's all these little references but, of that. now, And we still look at it as that never really happened because we'll tell the end of Hex when it gets cancelled. You know. Hopefully it won't happen
0: for a while. But That character just amazes me because I actually discovered him by the death story that was right, in right. that sure, special. Sure. So sure. you already know how he winds up. Right. Why should Supp- you be interested? Supposedly. You
1: know? Oh yeah, I, I, that's true. But you know, I, I'll tell you the funny thing. Hex is a relaxing book to read. I'm sorry? Hex is, Jonah Hex is a relaxing book to read. Because on some level, it's, he's going to get these guys back somehow or something. So you have that in your head. For me, it's a relaxing comic. I had trouble reading big crossovers. and I, Honestly, like I don't know if you've read Power Girl yet, but... I write, what the first I write, three. Yeah, I read actually four is the best one. I, honestly, first three was a fight book, but right, right. we're writing it different, right? And uh, because I've read so many comics, it's like I, I feel at my age, I'm like I've seen all the guys fighting each other, it's going to be the same shit over and over. So we're trying to make it a little different. So, with that, and you might like, I don't know, um, I, don't, I don't have extra copies, otherwise, i would give you one. Uh, a book called Last Resort I did with IDW. Yeah, i, read, I read a Second yet, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, if you like Hex, you might like it because it's yeah. fucked up. I didn't realize
0: they were free. I'll grab a copy of Power yeah. Girl. Yeah, I, I, that, I, I really don't... dug the first three. I thought they yeah. were really
1: great.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to sit down. i got to do a yeah. guy's commission.
1: Yeah. Very nice Get to me meet you. Hit me up the email, nice. dude. It's I'm happy sure happy. I'll see you all weekend. All right, man. It's okay.
0: I'm going to grab yeah. a copy of that Power yeah. Girl real quick. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, also, I want to solicit our listeners to, you uh, know, if you want to submit to us, submit to us. If you want to submit to us any um, reviews of comics, you know something that you're digging right now, some old back issue, anything like that, you know, send us an audio file. We ask that you know try to keep it five minutes or under. Try to be concise and to the point, but you know it doesn't have to be any. There doesn't have to be any set format. You know, if you want to rave about something great that you're reading, if you want to bitch at some, about something that sucks that you're reading, although you know something like that, I'm going to dog you because if it sucks, why are you buying it? But, you know, anything like that, you know, if you have uh, reviews of comics, send them along, you know, send us a little, uh, you know, a little WAV file, a little MP3 file, whatever, uh, you know, we'll play it on the show. With that said, one comic I did read this week, though, I'm going to talk about just very briefly because I know that, you know, people are going to ask me, you know, what did what did you think? And I've had, I've already had a couple of people ask me, Oh, you know, so did you read it? You know, what did you think? What's your opinion? So I'm just gonna go ahead and get this out of the way right now was Superman Secret Origins number one. You know, as as we record this, just came out about a week or so ago. And yes, I did read it. No, I did not buy it. And uh I guess the best and quickest, easiest way to sum all this up is that I am officially off Superman. New Superman. I'm I'm done. Didn't mean I doesn't mean I hated it just means that i don't care for the direction that they're going with the character this new origin makes it really official that that my version of superman the incarnation that i cared about is dead and buried and i'm just i, I sadly I, as much as i love superman i consider myself a major superman fan uh, I'm just not going to go forward. I just don't care for, for where they're they're heading. So, you know, I'm glad that it's it's bringing in new Superman fans. I'm glad that other people are really, really enjoying it. I think that's great. You know, the, the, the readership of those titles does seem to be way up. I think that's great. But for me personally, it's just not the direction I want to see the character go. And rather than follow along and just continue to be, you know, worked up about it and, and let it piss me off or whatever i'm just gonna you know quietly bow out and say well you know you guys can have this you know you you guys run with it i got my old back issues or whatever so yeah i read it and uh yeah i'm
2: done with (laughs) supreme
0: well (laughs) yeah there you go there's there's your there's your summary right there i can't put it any nicer than that
2: now how are you gonna know when when or if you're gonna want to like jump back in
0: I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. You know. I mean. I. I, I wonder, how long is it going to take for them to turn? You know. I was going to say for to turn the character around, but how long is it going to take before they they come to a point where I'm going to care about him again? I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know. The the last incarnation of Superman. You know. I mean. I call it the Burn Superman, even though, really, Burn didn't really work on him for that long. I mean, you know, Burn was, was gone within two years after, you know, revamping the character with Man of Steel. But, you know, to me, I'll always consider that 20-year that stretch, you know, the Burn Superman, because he built a solid foundation that was more or less carried right to, you know, the end of that character in, in Adventures of Superman, what was it, like 649 or whatever. You know, right, basically right through till the end of Infinite Crisis. So that's just about 20 years. I mean, is this current version, this Secret Origins Superman, is this one going to last 20 years? I, I don't know. And But all I know is that I'm not... At, at my age and at, at my level of fandom and, and everything that's going on with me personally, I'm just not willing to reinvest 20 years again. You know what I mean? I'm not willing to basically, you know, you know, forget everything, you know, you know, and all that bullshit. You know, I went through that with Star Trek and other things and, you know, I'm just not willing to.
2: Here's sort of more what I was getting at was, how, like so, so you're not reading Superman now. Are you going to wait till somebody that you trust goes, "Hey, you know, I've been reading Superman, and I think it's getting more to where you'd like it." You know what I mean? If
0: oh, I mean, could, I, I, you
2: know, I... could three years of like the best Superman stories go by and you know slip through the cracks? You know what I'm saying? It's it's
0: very possible. I mean. It's hard to say because, you know, that I, I know you don't mean it that way, but that question implies that I don't trust the people I'm hearing from right now. And nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, I've got guys like, you know, like Biblio Mike,
2: well, no, you I, know,
0: who, who are loving this. And I, I, I trust his opinion very much, you know, I mean. Right, I, 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 right but, but I'm saying this,
2: if they said this, you know, but he might be liking it, but he also might be thinking to himself, well you know i know this wouldn't be scott's cup of tea right, right. but i mean i mean how would it, like would you read like synopses of upcoming issues like 2 years from now and say oh well that sounds interesting and maybe try it out and, you know that's that's just what i wonder once you drop something how do you know and and it's something that you're invested in and you care about like superman you know that I would think. You know, the same thing goes. I think aren't, aren't you sort of on hiatus with Spider-Man too? Oh yeah, because yeah. of because of that sort of weird Satan packed with Satan thing, weird yeah. weirdness. But
0: I, what I'm what I'm almost thinking might happen, and this this pains me to think this way. But I think what might end up happening is kind of what's happening with Spider-Man now for me personally is that it's going to get so far away that eventually I'll get to a point of just numbness about it to where I just I just you know I find that I don't I honestly find that I don't miss Spider-Man because the Spider-Man thing for me I was liking where the character was going right before all that and after they did what they did it was very easy for me to reconcile in my mind well that was the end because because these characters will never end, you know? Right. I mean, they, they literally will never will never live to see the end of the story. So, I mean, I, I this might be an extremely morbid thought, but, I mean, at, at times I've thought, where will my end for these characters be? Will it be when I die or will it be when, you know, I, I lose my eyesight or I lose my mind or, you know, I mean, <laughs> something like that, you know? Well, this actually makes it much easier for me to still be, a, you know, a young man and and have the end of my story. For me, I'm I at this point am totally content with the idea that my Superman died, you know, unmourned in Adventures of Superman six forty nine. I'm totally cool with that. I can learn to live with that idea that that the Superman that that was most cherished to me is dead. And, you know, as a matter of fact, there was a time. When uh, I can't remember who the creative teams were, but there was a time I was just talking with Michael Bailey about this the other night, where the Superman titles you know, there were I think three of them at the time they all hit a rough spot this was in like the this was a few years back maybe seven, eight years ago they hit a rough spot I mean, where they sucked I mean, it was really, really bad and in my mind I started to think of you know I could totally start to get on board with the idea that Superman died for real when Doomsday killed him and never really came back at all you know that that you know what I mean uh-huh. that that it started to look more and more appealing to me that Superman went out on an extreme high note and never came back at all. If this was the direction that you know he was going to follow eventually, something like that, and that's kind of what I'm looking at now with with this new direction. For you know, I, I've heard this this new term bandied about. You know, every once in a while something new, you know, some new term comes along for comics, you know, like retcon or something like that. And one of the new terms I've heard bandied about a lot is uh, my continuity. You know, meaning someone's personal view of continuity on a you know like a character right. or a title or a universe or whatever I like that idea that we all have our own personal continuity because nobody has read everything you know I don't care how old you are and how many comic books you have nobody has read every single thing that's out there and retains it you know so we all to a certain degree have our own personal continuity because there's just stories and events that you're not aware of and so it's I like that idea. I like that you can actually shape your own continuity. You know, by by your perceptions and by the things that you choose to retain or not. And so in this instance, my personal continuity is that Superman died at the end of Infinite Crisis. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm I'm perfectly content with that. It makes it an, a much easier Pill for me to swallow, but you know. But to get back to your question, you know, that was a really good question. How will I know if it turns around? I guess the 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 easiest answer is I'll just have to kind of keep an eye eye and ear open, you know, and just kind of watch and see how things go. But it's going to take such a fundament. It's not enough for them to just suddenly start writing. Sensational stories. Because it's not the stories that are bothering me. I think the writing right now is fantastic. I, I think that they are putting out some really good stuff. That's not what's bothering me. It's not that the comics are shit. It's that I don't like the new base. You know, the, uh-huh. the, the, the new origin and the and the things that are going on you know, new Krypton and the fact that there's, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Kryptonians now. And, and this basically this big reset button push that's happened where he's very much like the pre-crisis Superman again. That's what's bothering me. It's it's the fundamental core that Superman, you know, the Superman universe is now going to expand out from. That's what's bothering me. It's, it's not the, you know, the, the, the stories themselves, so that's a much bigger problem is that, you know, somebody and I hear this all the time, people are telling me, you know, wow, you know, Superman's really good. You know, did you read the latest issue of such and such? It's like, no, I didn't. Because it's not about whether the stories are good, it's about did they fix what's wrong in in my perception what's wrong? You know, and what's wrong right. is that they they destroyed the backstory that I embrace the one that I like the best, where you know it, it was the burn origin. You know, the he was the the lone survivor from Krypton. He was the only friggin' survivor. You know, and and he turned his back on his heritage basically, and he considered himself a super powered Earth man. You know, he didn't. Have anything to do with his Kryptonian heritage? You know, he didn't go around saying "Great Krypton" and "Great Rao" oh, yeah. and going to consult Jor-El every time he had a hangnail. You know, it was it was about him dealing with being Superman, but from a very human perspective of a, of a guy raised in middle America with middle American values. You know, that had you know a, a Christian mother and father. That's what I liked about Burns version of Superman. He was very, very, very human. You know, and that 's what I liked this This version of Superman that we 're getting right now is right back to that very aloof alien, almost mythological figure right. Superman lives in the North Pole like 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 a Santa Claus that comes and saves people, but he doesn 't relate to humanity because he 's so far removed. I really don 't like that that interpretation of Superman. And so that's my stumbling block with these new stories, not the writing or or any of that, you know, because there are elements of the writing I like a hell of a lot. There's a lot of things I think are really cool. I like the idea that, you know, for however long it lasts, that mon L is, you know, active in the DC universe right now. You know, he's been freed from the zone and he's out there as basically a member of the Superman family. You know, raid right along with Superman and Supergirl, and I like that idea because Monel's one of my favorite characters, right. and it's great to see him back. But again, everything else sours it for me. You know, so that it's it's really it's something I cannot reconcile. Other than to say, I'm just I just don't care to read it. You know, and that's hard for me. It's hard for me not to be reading Superman. I've read Superman all my life. But rather than grouse and bitch, you know, it basically comes down to, you know, the, you know, the, the shitter get off the pot thing, you know, and I, I called somebody else out recently about, you know, continuing to buy stuff that they hate. Right. So I'm (laughs) not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to continue to buy and support something that I just can't stand. So it's kind of
2: pointless. Yeah. So
0: I've got to bow out. It's, it's really all I can do unless I want to just be a complete hypocrite, you know? No, so anyway, wouldn't
2: want to do that.
0: No, I I couldn't do
2: that. Well, let's see. <laughs> Comic news for Chris. I do need to get a new long box. All my long boxes are pretty much filled. Wow! Good yeah. job. Yeah. It took it, it 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 happened slowly, but if I get a new long box, that'll hold me for a long time. Because pretty much it's a sort of Star Trek and The Walking Dead piling in now.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I'm loving that, uh, that IDW Star Trek. So I, I want to continue to get the, the back issues on that. You know, I don't think I ever talked about them, but I read some of those, uh, the, the alien one shots that they put out. Like uh-huh. uh, I read there was one about, well, there, there's been a bunch of them, but the ones I was able to get a hold of was like, there was one with the Gorns that was really, really Ooh. good. There was one with the Borg that as sick as I am of the Borg, it was still a really good story. So yeah, I like I mean, yeah
2: IDW seems to really um, really have good writing because a lot of those a lot of times when people get a license they ju- it's just sort of cheese knockoff shitty stuff you know it's mm-hmm. usually just third rate and they definitely are not I I think I think if they wanted to do which they have been doing Star Trek stuff for a while if they wanted to do it for more than just a little while, I think they knew they had to put a little extra mm-hmm. time and effort into it, or that if they did put a little time and effort into it, people would appreciate. I don't know how well they sell, but they're they're very, yeah, they're very good.
0: I have a feeling that they're selling well just by the the prices that I see them pulling in on eBay, on in, eBay. The, in the secondary market. It makes me uh-huh. think that the, that there's that they're doing very well in the initial runs, right. And because you know, that stuff, you know, I the love trades.
2: the art of the John Byrne ones. The other ones, oh, the art's God. always good, but it never really like sets me on fire. But it's always good, you know. It's always mm-hmm. it's never like half-assed or crappy. So right,
0: yeah, yeah they're I'm, definitely concentrating on story first. But you know, I, I, at the same rate, you know, I'm, I don't want to I don't want to the artists because you know even. When it's art that I may not particularly care for, it's still
2: extremely serviceable. It's it's well done, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So I'll tell you who else is knocking out of the park with that kind of thing is, uh, you know, after a, a long stretch of time where, you know, between the Marvel Star Wars stuff and the current Marvel stuff, I think there was a long, long stretch of mediocrity. But the current stuff by uh, by Dark Horse for Star Wars, damn, that stuff is good. They're they're right up there with uh, with the the Star Trek stuff by IDW. I mean, they're they're doing the same kind of thing where it's like story first, you know, followed by you know. Usually, the if-
2: artwork in those are really good. Is really good mm-hmm. too. I always like the. Um, I think it was Dark Horse that did the Star Wars tales. Mm -hmm. but i you know i would pick those up randomly because i like because um i like them they were episodic they had all different kinds of artists there were a lot of underground artists they were all yeah it was an anthology anthology
0: yeah i think that one wrapped but yeah i know which one you're talking about yeah i I, I think what it did
2: was it changed into more just like continuing stories Mm -hmm. so there's every every issue has five stories it can and that's where i lost interest that's the exact opposite of what I was reading it for, which was for, you know, there'd always be two or three really serious stories, and a couple that were parodies, and uh, some that were just lighthearted or done by you know an obscure underground cartoonist or more indie. So so it be it was always a mixed bag. Some some issues were better than others, but it was always there was always something really good in there, oh, and I liked those.
0: Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm I'm hoping to have a guest on soon for one of our Star Wars Monthly Monday episodes talking about um, some different Star Wars stuff. And one of the things that I, I want to talk to him about, because I know he's a fan of it also, is some of the more recent stuff that's come out from Dark Horse dealing with Star Wars. And there was a particular storyline where... They revealed who a character that you come to know through the storyline. They actually finally drop who is this guy, and when they revealed who he was, I was like, "Holy shit!" It was awesome, and I've been itching to talk about it ever since I read the story. So uh, when when this guest comes on, we'll we'll talk about that. Talk about and it that. was great. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I know you're going to be excited because I, I was just blown away by how awesome the story was. So. Look forward to that.
2: Okay, I will. <laughs> and on that note, we're out, and then we're back. With smart right. Thing uh...
1: Hey guys, this is Leroy, and this is Brad, and we are the Comic Tube Podcast. And what makes us awesome? We defeated Skynet. We did. Oh yeah, that's right. No, 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 no. Another reason. You met Siler and he didn't eat your brains?
2: Oh yeah, I forgot
1: about that. No, 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 why else? Because we have higher ratings than Smallville. I thought we had higher ratings than Heroes. No, 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 alright. No, unlike other podcasts, we focus on comic book movies, video games, and TV show discussions. And more when we're not being lazy. We're the all new, all different comic Tube. All new, all different dude, we're the same. We're the same. It's okay. We're the same. All right. So please go over to www.neverendingchampions.com slash comic tube and check us out.
0: The
2: Saga of the Swamp Thing. all right let me get my pages smoothed out here all right all right we're all back right. we're down in the bayou reading our next swamp thing swamp thing number seven volume one number seven a saga of the swamp thing we all gonna slow things down here because it's hot I'm Chris Honeywell. I'm here with Scott Gardner. We're sitting out on the front porch looking at gators. Y'all want some more stew with that? Anyway, this is uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing number 7. It comes from November 1982. 60 cents. That was like the golden age of golden price of of comics. And, uh, we've got, a. Uh, Tom Yates is the cover artist, but it doesn't say who inked it, so I'm assuming it was... What, what's his name? Tom Sutton? Mm-hmm. Probably inked it, because he's the inker inside, and it looks pretty much exactly like inks inside. Marty Pascoe is a writer. So, as we saw in the the end of the last issue, all the passengers of the, the Sunderland cruise ship, the SS Haven, are all those red tentacle-eyed creatures that look like the The Klingon pet. So Harry (laughs) K., General Sunderland, and some of various Sunderland executives are all sort of watching this from a balcony uh, with Dennis and um, Liz Tremaine. (laughs) That was uh, disgusting! (laughs) Sorry. Actually, you know what? Dr. Pepper. Just
0: to correct you, um... There is no uh, inker listed on this one. Tom Yates. It just says artist Tom Yates. So he may have uh, inked his own stuff and done the particular... whole thing. Yeah, he may have. Yeah. But it was quite just possible this. Anyway,
2: continue. Anyway, so they're they're sort of uh, all up on a balcony, and and Dennis and Liz are there. Dennis is in his donkey outfit, and he's posing as one of Sunderland and Harry Kay's flunkies. And Liz is supposedly hypnotized, you know, on a on a powerful mind-hypnotizing drug. But they're faking it, you know, to just see what the Sunderlands are up to. So they're watching all the passengers, you know, break out into these little tentacle creatures. You know, immediately they're like, well, we to get to our lifeboat and get the hell out of here. And Harry Kay tells all the rest of the guys, yeah, you go ahead, you know, I'll, uh... I'll wait here, and he tells Dennis and the fake drug Liz that, you know, he knows who they are, he knows she's not on drugs, and that he's, uh, you know, Dennis, but he tells him, you know, I'm not all that I seem, and there's more to this than you know about, and he gives him a gun and says, here, you're going to need this to get out of here, but you guys are going to have to find Alec Holland. Then he says, um, we got to split up, but first you better clock me on the face so it looks like we had, you know, so I can say, well, we had a fight or whatever. And write you off to the rest of these guys, because if you remember, Sunderland Corp was trying to to grab the Swamp Thing and Liz and Dennis. So Harry K takes off, and they're sort of wondering, you know, what's what's up with this guy? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Meanwhile, Alec is uh, tracking the creature that you know he fought in the last issue through big holes in the ship. You know, he's following a slime trail through big holes in the ship. Till he gets to the, the swimming pool and it ends up being this huge red many tentacled octopus squid Cthulhu thingy that's also telepathic you know he starts telling his story to Swamp Thing in weird broken sort of Stephen Kingy Alan moore English and it, and it turns out you know that he was an alien that that crashed into the ocean and has been trying to Get a ship so he could go back home, and so he's been tearing up ships and possessing the people in them and using the ships to build a spaceship. So uh, then it decides it's going to absorb Swamp Thing too, but uh, of course, as we found out last issue, Swamp Thing's blood is poison to the Cthulhu thingy. So so it sort of spits him out and knocks him aside, and Gazuntite.
0: <laughs> just, just adding sound effects—the the, the
2: spitting out sound. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> He's got the swine flu. I know it. <laughs> just take another sip of Dr. Pepper here. Oh no! <sighs> so anyway, Kay and the Sunderland VIPs are all on the on the boat. You know, making tracks and. uh They've escaped to the Dominican Republic and Kay's told them you know, Liz and uh, Dennis are dead. They got absorbed absorbed by the creatures but uh, General Sunderland knows Harry Kay too well and he knows he's he's holding something back. So meanwhile, Kay slips away to uh, Radio K4, his Rondo Hatton looking psychic bounty hunter who is <laughs> off looking for Casey and had just lost two goons to Casey who she psychically Jedi like tossed off a cliff in the last uh, issue so he's involved with a confrontation with with her and uh, Liz's producer Paul and they're both sort of floating up above him and Paul's babbling about how the you know the transformation is close and she thinks he's the conduit but he's not You know, she's stronger than anybody thought. And uh, before K4 can do anything or answer Harry K's radio message, Casey sort of brain zaps him and knocks him out and they take his Land Rover. So uh, meanwhile, Dennis and Liz have found Alec in, in the infirmary. They've sort of made their way to the infirmary to figure out what's up with the red tentacle things. And Alec has come there to treat his wounds that he suffered at the hands of Cthulhu... Red tentacle thingy And they discover the creatures A strain Of A combination of this Sunderland Super herpes That had (laughs) fallen out of a Sunderland Ship that crashed And this alien And they've melded together So you know the virus and the alien So it can infect other people And so, you know, it's trying to build a ship to escape. And they say, well, you know, we'll let it escape. And no, as long as, you know, it leaves anything behind, there'll be, you know, anybody who comes through here, this could happen to them. So they decide, we're going to blow it up. And so they, so, and I don't know how short of a time they mix up, like, spray bottles of the uh, microbe that's in Alec Holland's blood that the thing doesn't like, and a bomb and, and they take the, the spray to go fend off the tentacle p- creatures to get to a lifeboat. And Alec takes a bomb to go blow up the the squid thingy. So, you know, he's, he swims underwater for a while and he finds a thing, you know, in this beautiful panel of the thing sitting there building, you know, a uh, Frankenstein-like spaceship out of boat pieces. And uh, as he's swimming towards it with the with the bomb, it attacks him with one of the tentacles, and the bomb falls out, and you see this big explosion, and the explosion comes up next to the boat, and then the next thing you know, the boat blows up and starts to sink. And the next thing we see is Swamp Thing washing up on shore of an island, and he's like, ah, I got the thing to let me go at the last second because of my poisonous blood. And just before he passes out, he looks up and he sees... A giant T-Rex in the distance with pterodactyls or pterodons circling all around it. And that's the end of that issue, except for a really lame Phantom Stranger story. Really lame Phantom Stranger story. Basically, let me see if I can do the real quick synopsis of that. (laughs) Way back in a past life, a lady tells her boyfriend that he's a pussy if he doesn't go to war. But the guy is just a (laughs) pussy by nature, so he goes to war and is killed right off. And, you know, when they bring back his body, they're like, why did somebody say, why did this pussy go off to war? He should have been, you know, cobbling shoes. So she's been paying for it all through her, you know, successive lives because every one of her boyfriends goes off and dies in a war or dies horribly. So... Uh, the Phantom Stranger comes to help her avert a war in the current time to end her trail of karma or something. After God apparently talks to them, yeah.
0: Now I don't know if this is supposed to be God or Ramakushna or whoever this is, but whoever well, this disembodied is—that yeah.
2: she hints that she's going to say was that God—and he just is like, "Never no, mind, come on, let's go."
0: Yeah. Well, whoever it is. What an asshole. I mean, Jesus. I mean, she,
2: she's <laughs> yeah, got to pay for this for eternity
0: now that she sent her boy. I mean, I'm sure that she didn't have an easy time of it, that she sent him off and he died in that lifetime. But then she's got to pay for it in every subsequent.
2: Madam Stranger, I guess that's his point is he says, hey, you know, how, if she can't remember what happened, how can she ever correct Right. She's just paying for it, and God says, "Hey, good point. <laughs> Don't you know? Aren't you God?" It's cheesy. Unlike the unlike the sophisticated intellectual story that preceded it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I really like the uh, the space herpes angle of this because you know, granted, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> granted, granted that herpes wasn't from space, but that was the first thing I thought of was space herpes from was so that uh,
2: stupid movie?
0: Ice, what was that? Ice, ice pirates, pirates. I pirates, I think it that was. was yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I I kind of interpreted this alien thing differently as I thought he was supposed to be like a like an intelligent bacterial colony from space or some shit? He was like,
2: yeah, they they sort of likened him to a gerbil that somebody sent to the moon or something, you know, he was like some some little, you know, lab animal that was sent from another planet, and he sort of sat at the bottom of the ocean until the space herpes came, and once he combined with the space herpes, then he became, you know, I who shall in the cold wet for him to go to the home guy.
0: It's not a bad story, except no. there's the one part of this story that, that alright, this is a common complaint part? that I have with with like Aquaman stories for example, is alright, now, now Swamp Thing they make that bomb, right? And he's got to deliver the bomb to the creature. So, right. it says somewhere in this that they're basically in the middle of the Atlantic, right? Right. So, using my my knowledge of, like, Titanic expeditions as a basis for, for my scientific bullshit on this...
2: Yeah, there's no light it, down there.
0: Well, There's no light, but it also takes, like, two and a half fucking hours to just fall to the bottom of the ocean floor, like, where the Titanic is, right? So... I, you know, it just seems like all this shit happens really, really fast. I mean, how fucking fast well, can Swamp Thing swim?
2: Well, they—I you know? mean, Liz and Dennis fight their way to the infirmary, and when they get there, they synthesize. They figure out what it is in Swamp Thing's blood that that pisses off the creature. Synthesize it, or make a—you know—make some sort of thing. So they have these fire extinguishers full of Swamp Thing blood juice. That, that melts the the people who are taken over by the tentacle thingies. And, at the same time, to fashion a makeshift, two makeshift bombs. One to blow up the ship, and one to um, blow up the creature. Right. And all the while they're being pursued, you know, zombie style, by a whole ship full of, you know, slaves or extensions of the Cthulhu thingy and um who is only ever i think referred to himself as i which is funny cuz everybody's one-eyed right. and all the tentacles have an eye at the end of them but uh you know i mean that's that happens rather quickly you know i don't think they had like i mean how many days would it take to do all that you know it, Well, is, also
0: most every shot i'm looking at here in the book The ship, to me, doesn't look stationary. It looks like it's plowing along, except for the very last panel where it's blowing up. Every other panel gives the impression that the ship that they're on is in motion, that they're plowing along. Yet Swamp Thing, when it's time to deliver the bomb, simply jumps over the side, swims to the bottom of the ocean... Where he finds the creature.
2: Now... I think he actually says something like, This, you know, this thing could be anywhere from between here and, you know, Bermuda or something. But I just have a feeling.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. It could have been anywhere from here to Miami. But Lord help me, it's here. Well, (laughs) goddamn. There you go. That's amazing. They should have had him on the Titanic expedition. I, mean, I
2: swear to God, man. Yep. saved them like fucking just years. Chucked him overboard and let him swim down to it.
0: Damn. Yeah, I mean, I know it's very nitpicky, but it, it just kind of jumped out at me. see, like, he's like, like the Atlantic. he's I'm-
2: made of plant matter, he's like a dowsing rod. Yeah. Well, plus, <laughs> couldn't, you know...
0: Alright, being that he is a plant person and not like a real person and so I'm assuming he doesn't, even at this time does he think he needs to breathe or not I I don't remember
2: I don't know, but salt water should be bad for him Ah, that's true
0: but I mean, would would he squish like a person would squish after a certain amount of time, or because he's a plant, he doesn't, he wouldn't squish under the under the pressure well, of the? he
2: might be more solid. You'd think he'd flatten out a little <laughs> bit anyway, you know, like moss <laughs> or something. You know, uh, I I I I don't know. It doesn't suit the story though. A lot has to happen in quite a, in just a few panels because. Yeah, because this doesn't, you know. I mean, the stories don't even take up a whole comic. You know, there's always a backup, Phantom Stranger story. So yeah, um, well, I always they, they have to get they have to get a lot of, and this one, God bless it, really doesn't spend a lot of time recapping the last issue at oh, that's all. True, yeah, you're right. Which is what which is what has been a problem sort of up till now. Is they've had to? I mean, it would take so long. It would take like three pages to recap the last issue. Yeah.
0: At this part, this at one. this point, Marty's just like, ah, fuck him. If they haven't been beaten <laughs> by now, then you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There, there really isn't a recap. I didn't even. That's a good catch. I did not catch that. Well, you know, I, I guess my my no prize for the whole ocean thing would be. You know, I, I mentioned like Aquaman a minute ago. You know, the the thing where you know Aquaman in in one panel he's at the very bottom of the ocean ruling his people and then in the next panel he's on the land you know and you would think that it would just make him pop like a like a tick or something but you know there's how many stories are there where he came up with like I don't know say like Batman or somebody and Batman would just put a bubble on his head and then he'd go down and have an adventure (laughs) out of the ocean that would should crush him
2: you know, to his blood should exhaust. be boiling and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, maybe, maybe like the underwater world functions differently in the in the DC universe, or so. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know I guess you got to forgive shit
2: like that. I guess so. Yeah, because obviously it happened. Because there it is on the page. So,
0: I'll I'll forgive all the other goofiness with this issue just for that last panel because that panel of him laying passed out on the beach with like the primeval king kong looking world behind him is pretty awesome man that's yeah. a great panel
2: and uh, the lead-in into the next one is not another swamp thing versus dinosaur story because god knows we've had enough of those but rather the weirdest most offbeat story of the year in this or any other comic the island of broken dreams you know
0: what that tells me is I need to go back and read the original twenty four issues of, of the original Swamp Thing series again because now I can't I don't remember, remember him fighting dinosaurs. Dinosaur I, I can't remember it. So yeah, I need to reread that. But yeah, not not a bad not a bad little issue. So what it's, you think, you ready for some walking dead?
2: I think we're ready to walk on out of the swamp and into the zombie world
0: The Walking Dead Okay, we're back for the final segment of the show, The Walking Dead This is Walking Dead number 11 from August 2004 cover by Tony Moore this issue is written by Robert Kirkman art by Charlie Adlard. gray tones in this by Cliff Rathburn and original cover price was 295 okay so in this story Rick is absolutely horrified because he has just learned from newfound friend of the group and and the host that's putting them up at his uh, at his barn residence whatever the guy named Herschel that Herschel is keeping zombies in his barn because he believes that they may be able to be helped. Now, Herschel, he's equally horrified to learn that Rick and his crew have simply been putting the zombies down, you know, just been killing them because they consider them to be dead already, you know, not to mention that they're a threat to the survival of the group. So a war of words ensues in which Herschel makes the very good point that they simply don't know what's caused all this, Or, you know, what is truly wrong with these zombies? And Rick makes the equally good point that they need to go in the barn right now and kill every goddamn one of them. You know, to which Herschel responds, you know, he screams at Rick at that point, you know, my son is in there. So, you know, this takes Rick aback and he realizes that, you know, this is a very personal thing for Herschel and that the man hasn't made uh, the decision to keep these zombies lightly. So Rick tries a different tack, you know, he tells Herschel that. You know, he can't imagine what he's gone through and all, but that that thing in the barn isn't his son anymore, which just makes things worse. Uh, Herschel tells Rick that there's a a, you know, a very good chance that he and uh, his people have been murdering sick folk, basically, who are in need of help, but Rick remains convinced that they're already dead and that they've been doing the right thing by killing them. Tyrese intervenes at this point, point. he reminds Rick that he and all his people are guests here of Herschel's, and that they're not calling the shots. Rick reluctantly agrees, but you can see from the expression on his face that he just knows that this is a bad idea and that it's not going to play out well. So then we cut to evening where Rick checks on Alan, who, you know, you'll remember he just lost his wife to zombies, and Alan is starting to crack up, and he admits that he's been hearing his wife's voice, you know, plain as day. Rick is really worried about him, you know, he's worried for him, but he's also worried about him. While they talk and reach the conclusion that nothing is easy in their world now, Glenn and Maggie are seen sneaking off together for, you know, to get some nookies. So not everything isn't easy in their world, apparently, because <laughs> it didn't really take Glenn any effort at all to uh, to hook up with this chick. She pretty much said, hey, you want to go fuck? Which, you know, we had a good chuckle about the in the in in the last episode. So anyway the next morning Rick talks to Herschel uh, while he's slopping his pigs and he apologized for the blow up they had yesterday you know he thanks Herschel for all that he's doing uh, for the group you know what with putting up with them and everything and uh, and also saving Carl's life and you know they have a little male bonding moment at that point Rick tells him that uh, he's taking some of the group out to teach them how to shoot uh, Andrea meanwhile you know, with uh, you know, with Dale you know her her old man boyfriend in tow. They try to check on Alan to see how he's doing, but Alan's, you know, he's still really pissed off with her about the fight that they had, and he basically runs her off. So we see Rick, Tyrese, and Carol, you know, they share a little moment about, you know, the things that they miss now that the world has gone to shit, and then everybody's off to the shooting range. While this is going on, a zombie walks up, and Herschel won't let Rick kill it. He insists on putting it in the barn with all the other zombies. So Rick distracts the creature while Herschel uh, gets a grip on it and marches it to the barn. But predictably, as soon as the door is open you know, to the barn, all hell breaks loose. Herschel's son Arnold you know, he tries to come to his father's defense, and then he's viciously bitten in the throat by a zombie that Herschel identifies as Sean, his other son, his dead son. And Arnold's brother, so we've got zombie brother, you know, eating, you know, the the still-alive brother, which is pretty disturbing. Um, His daughters, uh, Lacey, who's the kind of chubby one, and Maggie, the one that Glenn is banging now, they come rushing to Herschel's side, but uh, poor Lacey gets dragged to the ground and literally eaten alive by a horde of zombies. It's pretty horrifying maggie tries to protect and comfort her father and he in turn asks for her gun and rises to his feet and he puts down sean and then his other dead children before they can uh, can rise up as zombies as well then he turns the gun on himself but he's stopped just in time by rick who won't let him kill himself uh herschel then collapses you know sobbing that he's sorry sometime later we see the group is gathered outside and they're standing at three freshly dug graves when herschel rises and he turns to rick and with tears running down his face he just looks at rick and says you were right but rick doesn't look very happy about being proven right later julie and her boyfriend chris come up to her father tyrese and they want to turn in the guns that they were using during the shooting practice and Tyrese tells them that, you know, Rick's got enough in his plate at the moment, don't bother him, and to just hang on to the guns for now. So they go off together, and Chris says that it's about time that they were trusted to have guns, and that this will make it so much easier now. Julie agrees and says that they'll do it just as soon as the time is right. We don't know what it is yet and they declare their love for each other and they kiss and that's where the issue ends so what'd you think of this one
2: a lot of issues begin and end with uh freshly dug graves in this book yeah oh this is this is classic Mm -hmm. and uh yeah just an explosion of zombiness disemboweling yeah
0: yeah I feel so bad for Herschel, man. I mean, he kind of brought it on himself
2: by being kind of stupid. Kind of thick. Well, it's like almost kind of thick and stubborn about it, you know? Because he's presented as a, like, very staunchly old-school religious guy. You know, not like Southern Baptist style, but like old salt-of-the-earth farmer, you know, very uh... serious... Almost Quaker, like Amish or, or, or something, yeah, yeah, or a Mennonite or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, so I—I I mean, I could totally—I've—I've I've known people like that, or people who are just so nice that they, you know that they would be like, okay, we'll put them in the barn, you know, you know, can't, you know, I could totally see, and that's that's sort of I think Kirkman really thought about like, okay, what are going to be the Stages that people go through in thinking right. about the situation, and that's a stage for a, for the kind of guy Hersch, Herschel is. And uh, you see, and and that that way of thinking about things is gonna always meet with a bad end. So we get to see Herschel's bad end, where he realizes, you know, no, this is. <laughs> they're not going to get better you know these are not just this is not my son who's just sick right now you know and uh
0: i remember the end of the last issue you know it, it, it ended where herschel and rick were talking and herschel dropped the bomb on rick that they were keeping zombies in the barn and it was one of the very few times in this series where i i I actually said to myself "Oh, that's stupid you know but it plays out so well in this and i you know rereading it i didn't feel that way at all but i remember the the very first time reading it i thought that's really you know who would do that that's really dumb you know but rereading it now I, i feel differently i feel like you know like you just said that you know i could really see
2: well also herschel's character gets more fleshed out in the future so we know herschel oh yeah, yeah we know his character way more in depth than just in this issue so so this issue makes more sense with 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 her because you know he has that stubborn and even after you know there's never a point where he's like i forsake god and blah 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 or you know or there's or, uh, you know there's a, he's very stubborn about his philosophy and his way of handling things. So he's one of those people who's, you know he probably looks at this as a test. you know everything is right. a test. so he's just got to buckle down and put his nose to the grindstone and do the best he can while still staying in his in the moral code that he had pre-zombie. Right So, and I like the way Kirkman, you know, in clumsier hands, characters like this could be very obvious, and like, we have this kind of character and this kind of character and this kind of character. And there is that to sort of an extent here, you know, you have all your different types of people, but they're very well shaded and they're quirky in the way that real people are quirky. you know, all of like you as you get to know Herschel's kids. For what little you know of them, from just the few panels that you see him in, but you get the idea that some of them are a lot like him, and some of them are just sort of more modern, you know, and are just sort of humoring him out of respect, or not as much humoring him, but just respecting him, you know. But at the same time, they're just like, "Oh, dad," you know. So it's it's just very well written. I think I say that phrase every episode.
0: <laughs> I think you do. Now, what is, when the when the barn opens, you know, the barn door kind of just flings open because I, I guess this fat zombie
2: was leaning against it or something. Yeah, it's sort of weird how this plays out.
0: Yeah, it, it smacks Herschel in the face and he falls down and then we, we, we are looking into the barn. Now, how the hell did his... I'm assuming that's his son and daughter. Well, well before up-over. he goes I to the barn,
2: it. before he goes to the barn, he sort of yells to them, go around the other side and distract him. So they probably went up into the haymow there, I up guess, above where the yeah. zombies were, and were like, blah, 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 blah. But I don't understand why he didn't wait till they were like, all right, we got them all over here, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of weird. and. I don't know, I'm sort of led to believe also that these are shambler zombies, you know, there's no running or... But there is, I guess there is lunging and stuff, so... But the zombies do an awful lot of damage, you know, in just a short period of time. Which, I guess, is what... I guess that's why they're dangerous, otherwise... You know, it's sort of like the end of the remake of Night of the Living Dead... Mm -hmm. Where the woman just realizes, if I go jogging through these zombies, there's no way in hell (laughs) that anybody's going to catch me. As long as I'm confident, you know, and don't let them, you know, confident in my movements and don't let them bite me. That you know, it's sort of a thing that the viewer actually thinks about sometimes when they're watching these movies. But it was neat to see it in that. But at the same time, there's that random element where if they just get you by surprise or one of them gets his hand on and all of a sudden the rest of them are on top of you and that's yeah. that
0: yeah cause that, that scene you know there's like a three panel scene where uh, Lacey gets dragged down That especially yeah. that last panel of her Laying there, and I mean, her, she's just ripped open. Right. And they're just chowing down. Oh my god, that's disturbing. Because anytime I ever see that in a zombie movie, like,
2: like the original Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of
0: the Dead has that where the guy's yeah. laying there and he can't move because they're pinning him down and they're just pulling his guts Disemboweling out.
2: Disemboweling him, yeah. Yeah,
0: and he's just screaming. And it's like, oh my god, I mean, that kind of shit gives me nightmares, man. Oh. Ugh.
2: That's what that's... it's supposed to do. Yep. Yeah, Excellent. It's doing its job.
0: Brutal, and I like uh, you know at the end when it's all over, you know the the scene where where Hershel just kind of collapses there, and you just see the carnage, you know how many zombies there were, how many people of their group got killed, and it's just brutal, all the all the death. Yeah, this this was a powerful issue.
2: I love the way it's it's rendered too. There's a lot of depending on what page you're on well actually through the whole thing there's a lot of white Mm-hmm. there's a lot of just white backgrounds there's just a lot of white but every every you know then all of a sudden there'll be one panel or or a couple pages where it's dark you know big chunks of black in it It's it works really well like I, um mhm like the the one scene when Rick's talking to Alan, and they're all and Alan's like wrapped up in a blanket. It's great. He's kind of actually looks like a Jedi <laughs> from one of the from the prequel trilogies. Yeah. And uh, those two pages just the 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 black night blackness. It's awesome.
0: I did think of something. In in this one though, it, it occurred to me rereading this issue, that didn't occur to me originally was uh, I'm assuming when what what's the kind of slow-witted guy's name that the guy that shot Carl?
2: Oh, it's I, um. Like, oh, R- he's Rufus he's, or something. He's I got a real hillbilly name. Yeah, man. yeah, I can't remember what his
0: name. Otis, that was it now did Herschel not I, I'm assuming that that otis shot Carl because he thought he was a zombie right right I mean he didn't think he was like a deer or something he thought he was a, he, he thought he was putting down or, or going to put right. down a, a zombie so did Herschel not know that otis was out there capping zombies I mean if he has such a thing about anybody killing one
2: yeah otis might not have been telling him.
0: Yeah, that's kind of... And I'm know, just wondering... Yeah, I, I, that...
2: I have a feeling everybody around Herschel sort of humored him and kept him uh, kept him sheltered, you know? Right. Uh, up until this point, you know? And this is the point where hard, cold reality really reaches Herschel, you know? Where the, the reality of the situation starts, you know, really intruding into his value system, <laughs>
0: right? Now here's where we have to tiptoe around spoilers, I guess. But now Chris and uh, and Julie, at the very end, talk about, you know, now they've got guns, and now this is going to make, you know, doing it so much easier what did you think that they were talking about and, and how close did you get to, to what actually plays out with those Well two.
2: I thought there were several possibilities of what they, they could be doing at, the, at this point it was left pretty open ended so they could be possibly like have a suicide pact they mm-hmm. could be planning to off somebody or to you know do a Columbine like sort of thing or they could be thinking about going off on their own. Right. You know, so they they need weapons to go off on their own. You know, there's you know, the, you know there's no good blood between Tyrese and and the and the boy. Right. They don't like neither of them like each other and he's basically He's basically talking shit about Tyrese to his daughter you know that's been sort of implied that he was sort of the bad influence on Tyrese's daughter right so so he's he's definitely that the, that kid don't seem right there's something a little unstable about him right. So, who knows? I think I know, was Kirkman's a crazy man, though. You never know where he's gonna. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. You. Is yeah,
0: you, you can have your your little ideas of okay, this is where this is gonna go, and nine times out of ten, you know, it, it's gonna be completely opposite. But uh, and if
2: it goes there, it doesn't go there in and in, in quite the way you would imagine that it was going to, or or something I, like that.
0: I remember thinking that I, I thought that it was that he was gonna talk her or try to talk her into killing her father and and or um you know like like because they had guns that they could basically you know then they could strike off yeah hold everybody off and take the R V and then they were gone or some combination of the two, maybe kill right. the father and and take off. So Yeah, yeah that's there's more. definitely
2: a sort of Bonnie and Clyde element implied in there too, you know i definitely
0: didn't see what what eventually plays out with them i really didn't see coming along so yeah
2: there's a there's also the a great moment speaking of otis where uh you know where rick's talking to herschel about we're gonna have gun practice and he says well you know patricia patricia might want to Go because that's Otis's girlfriend And he says I know it'd make her feel A lot safer if she didn't have to rely on Otis for protection Right. The next shot is just a profile Of Rick and half his face is just Black and he's going right (laughs) So he's still a little Pissed at Otis for shooting his son So Mm. that's probably Why he was bitching at Herschel The night before you know he's probably still Pretty pissed That somebody put a bullet in his kid even though it worked out for the best, that's got to be pretty uh, nerve-wracking, to say the least. You know, the whole day before this this comic takes place.
0: Well, it definitely goes in some some strange and great places right after this issue, because you know, every what I love about this series, I think more than anything else, is that every time. Just, just like you know, to me the 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 best zombie movie is is Dawn of the Dead, and just like Does in it that, to get
2: comfortable,
0: yeah. Every time you fall into a comfort zone, you know, there's a great shot in Dawn of the Dead where where the the guys up on the roof playing handball, and there have been so many scenes of them, you know, just horse playing in the mall and having dinner and playing video games in the arcade and all this stuff and then he goes up on the roof and he plays handball and when he's done playing handball and he snatches up his bag one of the tennis balls rolls off the roof and falls at the feet of thousands of zombies and you're like oh holy shit i forgot that they're trapped in there. You you totally got into the whole thing of their lives in the mall and forgot why they were there. And this book does that masterfully, where every time it seems like things are going to be okay and they've found a nice little comfort zone or they've found somewhere to live or they've found something and they go we could make a life for ourselves here you know we could learn to grow vegetables and we could yeah. do this and we could do that every time that happens. You should happens. never say that in a zombie Boom. movie. Yeah, yeah. But within like uh, within like an issue or two their world just goes to <laughs> shit all over again and, and you know that's coming up shortly in this again and I, I just love it. I, again I, I love, and again. Yeah it's, it's great I love where this is headed so yeah just keeps getting better from here.
2: Yeah, and, you know, we're way up there in the issues, actually, of actual issues that are going out, and it just still has, we have many, many, many Comic Monthly Mondays of Walking Deads, of excellent, (laughs) excellent comic book reading coming up. That's the great thing is, as long as it's coming out, it's like this indefinite greatness. And, even if the comic all of a sudden, like, Kirkman decides not to do it and they get some hack writer in there you know Martin Pascoe comes in and starts writing it <laughs> not, not that he's a hack writer but you know just brings that that uh sorry Martin if you're listening yeah, I want to
0: see Rick swing, swim to the bottom of the Atlantic to exactly. plant a, a bomb to take the well, zombies well they find
2: out. out like a Cthulhu squid is behind the whole zombie thing as seen in DC Comics Saga the Swamp Thing there you, but, go. you know even if it jumps a shark and turns into this horrible you know ash style zombie thing which I'm oh I'm gonna bring up something I got something to add to this actually oh no but um you know we'll still have years of comic monthly Mondays of great Walking Dead ahead of us it's awesome but yeah. have you seen any of the trailers for zombie land yet? yeah I have what yeah. do you think?
0: It looks like it could be
2: fun. I'm my, not my friend Mark of- is all excited about it. and Was like, Here, you know, he's like, you got to see this trailer. Um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna love this movie, and it could, you know, it could be enjoyable. But you know what? It's. I I wonder if it's gonna. I mean, like Shaun of the Dead. I was like, well, I'll check out Shaun of the Dead, and I very, i very much enjoyed Shaun of the Dead. Because it had all the actual elements of a zombie movie, and and they weren't always comedic or being done in a satirical or parody sort of parodic, would the word be, mm-hmm. manner or, or whatever. Um, you know, there were some, you know, actual creepy moments of it that were like, oh yeah, this is a zombie movie. Um So I'm hoping that there's that element to it, you know. Like Return of the Living Dead had some genuine, you know, suspenseful moments in it. So if it has some of that in it, yeah, I could really like it. But otherwise, it's just going to be a sort of... It could be a fun action movie, you know what I mean? That's what it would go in my file system as. But in the meantime, I think it's called Survival of the Dead is almost out and that's uh, George Romero's new movie which is a quote-unquote sequel to Land of the Dead although in the trailer I don't think I saw any of the characters from it but I guess that means it's just sort of in the same continuity because he did a movie called Diary of the Dead which is sort of a zombie movie done Blair Witch style, Mm -hmm. reality TV sort of style and uh, that one sort of reboot is sort of a I guess it, you would call it a reboot because it starts right at the beginning of the zombie plague and sets it in modern times so uh, yeah but whereas Land of the Dead is a direct continuation of you know Day of the Dead or or whatever but um, this one seems to take place on an island and it looks like it's his cowboy movie take On zombies, (laughs) and coming to this and referring to this particular issue of Walking Dead, um, it seems that that maybe one there's two sort of they seem almost like uh, two like Scottish or Irish clans, you know, that have always been at odds, you know, and they have the tough old patriarch who's like, oh, McGinty you'll never blah, 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 I don't know, McLeod, blah, 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 you can shoot me where I stand type of deal. (laughs) And so there's, like, square offs of that. But I guess one of the sects of people keep their their fallen family members, like, in the houses, they dress them up and stuff, and keep them in case there's a cure or, or... for some religious, they seem to be almost Amish or something, because there's scenes of people busting into houses and blasting them, and they're in sort of you know the the Amish um, Mother Bates outfits, you know. <laughs> but they're all nice and clean with rotted corpses in them, you know. But they've been keeping them in nice in a nice clean house, and so it looks like it could have a lot of the issues the George Romero movies have in it. Now the the Zombieland seems to be very well acted and high budget, and this one and the George Romero one has that that you know amateur or unknown actor thing going for it, where some of them look like they're really good and some of them look like they're okay. But it's but I like that. I like that element of it, you know, rather than having Woody Harrelson in it. I like having just a lead actor being some guy I've never seen before. Right. You know, who's just some guy. You know, hi, I'm some guy. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to the Romero movie. And he's on some sort of role. I think he's like, I'm as old as The Hills. I better start cranking these out while while well, I still got the energy and willpower to do it and I've seen it like a lot of behind the scenes shots of him and he's running around blah 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 direct, you know so god bless him let's hope there's a whole string of George Romero zombie movies cause he hasn't let me down yet there's a couple of his movies I haven't seen yet I've, I have a copy of Knight Rider's which I haven't watched yet. I hear it's pretty cheesy. Is that a zombie flick? No, it has Stephen King in it, too. Oh, wow. It's it's like wandering... I thought it was going to be a post-apocalyptic type thing because it's like these motorcycle gangs that have joust. They're like a mixture of medieval knights and motorcycle gangs, and they have jousts and stuff but I th- it looks like it's something like where they have joust at like a renaissance fair type of thing mm-hmm. so it's in modern time it doesn't really have a fantasy element to it per se but uh, I'll watch it because his movies are always very interesting to me and you know I haven't seen The Dark Half yet either one of his movies I think I saw ones. that a
0: while ago and didn't didn't think much because that was one of the to me it was one of the weaker Stephen King books. Right, right. So I didn't think all that much of the movie. And Monkey yeah, Shines was another that, one
2: he did that yeah. was a big budget one that was pretty good. It wasn't anything I like his old stuff like Martin or um, oh I can't remember the one that's basically a remake of Night of the Living Dead but with a with a sort of plague you know it's more it's it's more uh, a government released disease that turns people into homicidal maniacs type thing.
0: Twenty eight days later type of thing.
2: Yes, it is, and uh, that one's really good. Also, raw hmm. and rough, but so yeah. And you've got a lot of catching up to do. You haven't seen Land of the Dead, Di- or Diary of the Dead. No, you're lucky. B- Lucky, lucky you. You've got two <laughs> two things to look forward to. You don't sound too thrilled. I think you'll like... I, I don't know about it's, Diary it's just of the Dead. That, you know,
0: every once in a while it, it, it hits me how strange it is that our our Comic Monthly Monday is really very, very horror-oriented. And I'm I not know. a horror guy. That's just so odd to me You know that, that it turned out that way because horror is really... So completely out of my wheelhouse. Yes, that's that true.
2: I keep thinking of you as a fan of like, but you're more of a fan of the remake of Dawn of the Dead than the original.
0: Oh no, I, the original Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite horror movies. But it's the it's the remake of Night that I like better than the than the original. I'm, oh I'm right, real, right. Okay. Well, what, what
2: did you think of Day of the Dead? Were you a...
0: of the original one? Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. The, the I've, remake I've watched,
2: isn't really a remake, and it has nothing to do with. It, so you shouldn't even. I've watched it
0: several times, and I'm always amazed by the people. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people, and I'm pretty sure Kirkman is one of them that hold that one up as the best one. And I think there's, that
2: there's say, there's crazy. arguments to make for that. That was one of the one that that movie was like um, Indiana Jones and the Lost Crusade for me, and um, and the Adventures of Baron Munchausen all which were movies that I saw they came out around the same time too except for Day of the Dead but they were all movies that I saw the first time and enjoyed but was vaguely disappointed in mm-hmm. but then upon subsequent viewings began to get more and more out of them and like them more and more to the point of where I, I, I wouldn't say Day of the Dead supplants Dawn of the Dead is my favorite but it, it, it you know, because at first the whole Bub, the the the, the zombie, that and the mad scientist guy, the mad scientist guy was almost too much of a character caricature of right. a mad scientist. But the more I watch it, the more I, the more those scenes have gone from being goofy to being truly creepy to me now, and to to having way, a lot of resonance to them. For some reason, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I I really enjoy it. Maybe it's just because I enjoy being in that universe so much, and when Romero's doing it, you're there. So, just the feel of it. I, I, but I just don't, I don't know. I,
0: I, that one just seems so extremely... Low budget and really yeah he really had Jesus. well he did yeah, he yeah, it just it, it does got
2: seem, screwed on his budget on that one yeah, yeah that one it, was it just
0: doesn't hold up to the other ones as far as the the biting commentary and the and the satire and all that it's just to my yeah, mind it just doesn't it, it just see seems I, I don't know there's something about see, it
2: I, when I went to see Land of the Dead in the theater I went with another friend who was a big fan and he was very disappointed from by it and I was it. I was walking on air, walking up going, wow, holy shit so it was very strange the two different reactions of that, And he was like, well, you know the social commentary was sort of beaten in with a sledgehammer and I was like, yeah <laughs> sort of like the, the, the other ones, but boy it has uh, yeah, I highly recommend Land of the Dead, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah, I've been it's, meaning to watch it I just had not made it around to it, because when it came
2: out, I wanted to watch it it goes and in different directions. I think that's what people didn't like about it. You know, I didn't like it first that the zo- it was another. This was another one where the first time I watched it, I didn't like that the zombies were starting to get smart. We're yeah. starting to have thought process. I thought that was kind of cheesy. And the first time I watched it, it's like, oh, okay, come on. But upon subsequent viewings. I like that wrinkle, and it's like, you know... And then it's like, oh, okay, you know, George Romero is going to keep... He's not just going to present a story. He's going to throw wrinkles into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is the sign of a active brain, and I like that. <laughs> and, uh, and it also had two name actors, and it had Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo, who are both very recognizable, and they both are very... You know, Dennis Hopper dials himself way back for this movie. <laughs> for a low-budget movie, he really tackles it like a, the true actor that he is. Whereas the other movies, he does like a caricature of himself. So it's very strange, you know. And John Leguizamo, I could watch him act in almost anything. He's just a natural, charismatic actor, and he really brings a lot of depth to his character in this. It's.
0: I definitely have to watch it so we can talk about it because I, I think you. I think we've talked about this before, and I still haven't seen it yet. So yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely need to watch it. I need to get caught up on all the uh, the Romero universe of zombie movies.
2: Yeah, uh, you should. They, we should do a show on that. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be fun. Definitely. I would. I would definitely be into that. Maybe. Maybe after the new movie comes out, you can catch up, and then we'll do a show. Cool. But zombies zombies zombies. I love zombies and <laughs> hey and it's October. So it's Halloween. Oh, yeah.
0: So you guys have a safe and, ex- and happy Halloween.
2: And expect more creepiness from us before this month is over. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. And not creepiness like, you know, going through your garbage at night. Because that's just the usual kind of creepiness that we do. We'll come (laughs) up with new and creative types of creepiness to foist on our listeners and stockies.
0: Hey! In the meantime, check out some of our uh, friends in the podcast community. Some of the other shows that are out there, like all Chant Reality, uh, Inside the Magic, Super Future Friends, Too Old to Grow Up, From Crisis to Crisis, Avengers Assemble. God, there's a million of them oh out there. God, oh my God! A whole bunch to all of great them. shows. Yeah. Com- cool. go, go check out you know the Comic Podcast Network. And the League of Comic Book Podcasts—you know, there's tons of great shows on their sites. You know, tell them two truths and We support all those shows, and uh, and hope that you check out all those guys. Be sure to come back next week, because it's fourth week event, and who the hell knows what we're going to be talking about? We know,
2: but we're not telling you. That's right.
0: Visit our website at two true where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. Two is spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873.
2: You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com.
0: If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information,
2: visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are now also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening to Two True, True Freaks.
0: Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanso Core of Milan, Italy and by the letters F and U.